church family. It's so lovely to see you all in your smiling eyes. Welcome to Church of the City. Um, I so badly, and I'm sure many of you can empathize with me on this, I so badly want to run up to many of you and just sit in front of you and socially distance and chat with you and catch up with you. This is really hard to do with a mask on because I just ran down the aisle. And we, as much as we would love to do that fun mingling piece, we're going to encourage you to do that outside after because our inside policies are very specific about socially distance and staying in the one particular area that you're kind of assigned. So if you could help us with that, we'd really appreciate it. We definitely want to encourage connection. Ooh, we definitely want to encourage connection. So if you could connect outside, after that would be really really lovely a couple of quick announcements the first is about our registration um we have never had to register before so this is a huge learning curve for us as we're figuring out planning center and what it is to register people through planning center to make sure that we've got everyone in like the right spots um, but we also learned this week that there's a lot of ways that we can do this incorrectly, which creates a lot of work for our administrator. So that was fun. So we're also asking for your help on this. There's going to be a little video that I believe Spencer's making. And when you go to register for the next reunion live, there's going to be a video on the registration page with more clear instructions about how to register in a way that we don't have to go back and, and change anything after. So if you guys could just take a quick look at that video, Spencer promised it would be close to a minute, so it's not gonna be a ton of time. It's just gonna better outline for us how that process can go and what information we're putting in where. Um, if you have any questions about that, please feel free to chat with Spencer. Um, our second announcement, oh sorry, our, the next time that we'll be able to register for Reunion Live is when our information email comes out, so just watch that email, it'll have the link for the next set of registrations. Our next announcement is our City Kids program is going to be live in, our, in two weeks when we have Reunion Live again. If you've got a child who's going to be attending City Kids Live, um, you will need to register them. It's only going to be, our program's only running for children who are in school right now, so JK through to grade 5. We'll have our Junior Explorers and our elementary class up and running. Um, if you have any questions specific to that age group, please let me know. Um, I can answer those for you. Um, and then our last announcement is we've got, oh, sorry, that's a lie. Our second last announcement is our family Easter kits. So one thing that we did at Christmas time was send home some um, activity kits for our Advent series for families to do together. Uh, we're doing this again at Easter, and we're doing... We're combining our city youth and our city kids program. So this will be a kit that's valuable for all ages, so zero through to um, high school. So if you would like to participate in this, it's completely free. 
Um, it will have several different days of um, curriculum that you can use. You don't have to use. The goal is that it's as accessible and um, it's as accessible as possible for you to get the most out of. Uh, you can do all of it or you can do some of it, whatever works. You need to sign up for this if you would like it. Um, we will make it age appropriate for your family, so that will be in the registration piece. And our goal here is to um, encourage and equip you guys as parents to be discipling your um, kids, both through our in-person program, but also um, at home when you guys are not necessarily at a physical church building. And then our last announcement is uh, that next week, Reunion is going to be online. Um, the video is going to be, it's going to be on Facebook. It's not going to be premiering live as it has been, but it still will be on Facebook. So it'll look just a little bit different. Um, it'll also be on our Vimeo page though. So if that's where you've been accessing it, that won't change. And if you have any questions, you can email info at Church of the City. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I want so bad to say good morning. I just, I had to really psych myself up for good afternoon. Um, it is so good to be together. It is so good to be together. I was um, thinking about what I wanted to share with you before worship, and the verse that came to mind is from Psalm 122, verse 1, and it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to read that again. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And whether you are in the room this afternoon or you are online, um, we are together. And I want to get you to stand with me. We, we can sing. We're allowed to sing. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to hum or like sing in your hearts. You can sing. You can actually sing um, as much as your mask will permit you to sing. But I want to give you a moment, and before we actually do get singing, would you close your eyes? Would you think about the verse? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Would you take a minute to share your gladness with the Lord in your heart? Would you share your praise with him before we even sing? are so glad to gather together to worship in your name as your church and as a family Father, whether we're in the room or we're online it is a privilege to sing and to lift your name up and to exalt you and we praise you because you are in control and you are good and you are faithful and you know what you are doing and nothing surprises you you are on the throne and you are a firm foundation for us. And so we praise you. And we lift up our hands to you this afternoon. And we lift our voices to you in praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. 
this, God, we declare that. We declare that for our city, for the world that we're living in right now, God. We know that the foundation that we built for ourselves is very, very shaky. That the control that we have is very, very shaky. And so, God, we put our trust in you. We put our trust in you and know that you are trustworthy because you've shown us your great love for us. And God, we are so grateful for that love. We turn our affections towards you this afternoon. Regardless of the craziness of this week, we fix our eyes on you. Spirit, that you pour the love of Christ into our hearts. And would we experience your great love?
struck by the line, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And sometimes as a person that does worship um, as a living, it's easy to think that if I just worship really hard, really, really hard with my whole might, that somehow that will make God love me more. Or, And I don't know if you have something in your life or some area where you're like, if I can just work really hard or just strive but I want us to sing this again and I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit reminds you that you're his kid and he pours the love of Christ into your heart and so would the posture of our hearts as we sing this not be like I'm trying to grab and pull really hard but with open hands just letting Jesus love you and pour his love on you.
Andrew's going to come and read the word for us. And then Matt's going to come and speak. Good afternoon, church. If you have your Bibles with me, can you turn um, to Matthew chapter 5? We'll be reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it is good to be together, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, last week when we had our prayer meeting, it was a bit more of a worship uh, afternoon. We had song and it was the first time in a long time that I had been singing with others, uh, as I'm sure maybe today is your first time in a while. And I was just, I was, I was emotional. I came up on stage and I was almost crying, just the power. And what the Spirit of God reminded me of is how good it is to sing with brothers and sisters, to come together and sing. And so if you're joining us today in person here, if you're watching online with us, welcome. It is good to be together. Uh, it's been almost a year. It's hard to believe, eh? It's been almost a year, and that can have different effects upon each and every single one of us. And I hope over this past year you've been gracious with yourself as you've recognized God's love and grace for you, that as challenging as this year has been, and we continue in it, that God is with us every single step of the way. There's probably been a lot of things that you maybe couldn't have imagined have happened in the year, and now has happened. Some of us, I look around the room, there's babies born. You maybe didn't imagine that. Um, I grew a mustache. I could have never imagined that about a year ago. You know, there's these things that are changing in our lives, and so it's good to be able to recognize that with one another. Before I jump into the text that Andrea just uh, beautifully read for us, why don't we take a moment just to pause to identify maybe how we're feeling, invite Jesus into that. I recognize there's kids today with us, and I just want to say, hey, kids, we're glad you're here. You're part of our church just as much as your parents are, and so we're so glad that you're with us and that you're joining us. But let's just take a moment to be still, to be quiet, to invite Jesus to minister to our hearts today as we jump into these, these verses in Matthew 5. And so, Jesus, we do thank you that you are with us. You haven't left us. You've been with us all year. You've been with us all week. You're ever with us every single day, every moment of every day. And we are grateful. You promised that when you left that you would be with us. And so I thank you. I pray that you would remind us from your word today who we are as your disciples in this world. And that you would encourage us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, the beginning of the new year, we started a series on the Beatitudes. Uh, maybe you haven't been tuning in, but if you have been tuning in, we've been in a series on the Beatitudes. And the heart for this series was to revisit and to be reminded, or maybe for the first time to be taught, who followers of Jesus are. 
Because I don't know about you, but it can be confusing. If you follow social media, if you have friends, you see across the world, it's like, what are followers of Jesus? What is a Christian? And Jesus beautifully lays it out. What kingdom disciples look like in the midst of a broken, in the midst of a decaying world? And he lays it out for us. He starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, I'm excited to let you know, I don't think Jesus is done teaching us. And so we are going to continue through the Sermon on the Mount. And the text today is in some sense a bit of a hinge between the Beatitudes and the rest of the sermon. And in the text today, Jesus uses two things to illustrate for us what followers of Jesus are to do in this world. If the Beatitudes are who we are, then these descriptions are what we are. And how followers of Jesus are to be people and how we relate to the world around us. Maybe you've been asking that question over the last year. Maybe you're asking it now. What is a follower of Jesus supposed to do in the midst of the world that we live in? And Jesus gives us the answer and he uses two things to illustrate it. Now Andrew read them for us. They are salt and light. So the question is, well Jesus, why salt and light. And I'm going to give us three things. I think there's more than three things, but for the sake of time today, I think there's three things. One thing is going to be a similarity between salt and light, and then the two other things are going to be two distinct differences between salt and light, and why I believe Jesus gives us the two to tell us one thing about one part of it, but then a second thing to tell us something different. So here's the similarity, okay? If you're taking notes, if you're not, that's fine. The first similarity of why salt and light. Here it is. Salt and light do for their environments what their environments cannot do for themselves. Salt and light do for their environments what their environments cannot do for themselves. What do I mean by this? In the ancient world, salt was used as a preservative. They didn't have refrigerators. And so one of the purposes of salt and its value came from the fact that it could preserve the meat that it was placed in. And so what Jesus is saying is, the world that you live in is in decay. It is broken. And you, as my disciples, are the salt. You are the preservatives. Without you, the world will die and break. But you, my disciples, are the salt. You do for the world what the world cannot do for itself. He then says light. Well, what is the opposite of light? Darkness. And Jesus is saying, darkness cannot create light. You are the light. You do for the darkness what the darkness cannot do for itself. I want to think about the world, the places that you inhabit, the places where you live, the places where you learn, the places where you work, and maybe in the places that you play. Now, while there's constraints upon each of those places... I want you to think about those environments. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you are the salt of that environment and you are the light of that environment. It's who you are. As we'll go on to see, Jesus doesn't give an option to followers of Jesus. We'll go on to see that either you're useful or you're useless. He's saying you are salt and you are light. So that's the similarity. What about the differences? Here's something about salt that is unique or different from that of light. Salt is subtle. Salt is subtle. It's certainly more subtle than light is, and we're going to get to that. But salt is subtle. Now, 
In our, week, in our week, we have a family week. Maybe many of you have your own specific weeks where different days mean different things. I am in charge of cooking on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I don't prize myself in being a very good cook, but I've dabbled. And there are a few things that I make, and they're the same things every single week. So our family knows what to expect on Mondays and Tuesdays because Dad's cooking. And uh, one of the things I make is I make... Um, potato hash browns to go along with our, our vegan sausages. And um, for a while there, I was putting in what I didn't realize was garlic salt. So I'd add salt, and then I saw the little container that said garlic on it. I said, oh, that'd be nice. So I put a little garlic on there. And then I added the other things, and then we mixed it all up. And I would go, my, when we were eating, I was like, this is, like, this is really, really salty. And it wasn't for a few weeks. Andre mentioned to me, oh, just so you know, it's garlic salt. It's not just garlic. And I said, well, that, that really helps, right? That makes a lot of sense because all along here, I've been using this and thinking, and so the food wasn't obviously tasting very good. You know when there's too much salt, but then you know when there isn't enough. And that's the nature of salt. It's subtle. Now, in the Roman world, salt was extremely valuable. After the sun, salt was the next most valuable thing. So valuable, in fact, that Roman soldiers were paid in salt. It's where we get the phrase, he's not worth his salt. It started in the Roman world. Salt was also something that was used to signify a covenant relationship. Salt would be exchanged. In that sense, imagine you have a friendship and you're saying, I'll take care of your welfare, you'll take care of mine, and salt would be used to, to show that sign. In Old Testament sacrifices, it was used to validate an, a worship offering. Salt, though subtle, is valuable. And so what is Jesus saying to you and to me? He said, as my disciples, as my kingdom followers, you are subtle in the world, yet you are valuable. And you're to be potent. There should be a difference about you. There should be a distinctness about how you live in the world. So while salt is subtle, its presence is extremely valuable, potent, and necessary for preservation. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 15 uses this illustration, Paul to the Corinthians. For we, as followers of Jesus, are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and also amongst those who are perishing. You and I are the aroma, the scent, the saltiness of Jesus to the world that we live in. You maybe haven't taken a look at our website recently, but this is on our website in the about section of why we exist as a church and what we believe our mission is as a church. Here is why we believe we exist. We exist to see Jesus' saturation in Guelph and beyond. Now it doesn't just stop there. Notice what then it says. So that every man, woman, and child has a daily encounter with Jesus in word and in deed. If you've been wondering, why does Church of the City exist? This is why we exist. What's our mission? Our mission is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples in the everyday life where we live, where we work, where we learn, and where we play. Some of us have become so dependent on the church to do all of these things that we're not doing these things ourselves. What does Jesus say? You are my kingdom disciples. You are the salt of the earth. What about light? 
What's the difference? If we've already seen the difference of salt to light, what is the other, what is the difference we recognize about light? Secondly, light is obvious. I was asking one of my kids this week, I said, hey, what's a good thing about light? And they said, light is good because then it allows us to see. I want you to just think about that for a moment. That's what you and I are. That's what Jesus calls us. That's what we are. We help the world see clearly through the way that we live and the message that we bring. Jesus believes light is so obvious, he compares us to a city on a hill. He says, a city on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Paul, in writing to the Philippian church in chapter 2, verse 14 to 16, says this. This is speaking to disciples. If you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you need to hear these words today. Do all things. Now, I wish there was like a bit of an off-the-hook moment here where it's like, do some things. But it's not. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Maybe the one of the ways that Paul has recognized that we can be light in the world is through not grumbling about our situation and circumstance. That, that would certainly be obvious. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Light is obvious. Jesus then says, it's, you're to be like a lamp on a stand, giving light to a room. Don't, don't hide. You're a lamp on a stand. Don't hide it under a bushel. I've been singing this song to my kids. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, glory, this little light of mine. Okay, do you understand that song? Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Now, I could go into the semantics of this song because when we think of it that way, we think of light as the outside thing. But what is Jesus saying? Remember, you are light if you are a follower of Jesus. There's not an option. And then the results of the light. Jesus tells us, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The result of us as light being obvious, being light to the world, is not so that we can be, you know, more popular or glorified, but so that other people can see God the Father and Jesus the Son in and through our lives. Our elders were together on a retreat, and we used the phrasing, conspicuously spiritual. We want to be disciples who are conspicuously spiritual as salt and light in our world. So why salt and light? Here's the answer. It's a little bit longer. It was supposed to be on the screen, but when things, when it rains, I I turned to Andre and said, you know, when it rains, it pours. (laughs) We were able to uh, purchase some new sound equipment. It doesn't seem that way, maybe, at first, eh, Pete? But we were able to purchase some new sound equipment, and it's, we weren't able to start, our musicians weren't able to start practicing music till about a quarter to three, and we advised you guys to show up between three and 3.15. So it was a little bit nutty, and then our screen went at the same time. But nonetheless, right, we're standing, we're singing to Jesus. So why salt and light? Well, as the Beatitudes take root in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
Disciples of Jesus become salt and light, an obvious, potent, and provocative presence of God's inbreaking kingdom and presence in a decaying and dark world. Put more simply, whoever lives according to the Beatitudes and becomes what the Beatitudes describe is going to function as salt and light in our world. Now, Jesus also challenges us. He warns us in this text. And in the first verse, verse 13, he gives the warning, If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, salt itself doesn't necessarily become less salty, but what happens to salt is that it becomes, becomes contaminated and becomes diluted, and therefore it doesn't have its effect upon that which it is preserving, and it's no longer as valuable. And what Jesus is saying is that you are salt or you are not. You are a follower of Jesus or you are not. He could all, he's also saying, or you've become contaminated and therefore you've become useless to the kingdom of God. He's saying, be potent and useful or you will be useless. No lukewarmness. It's the same thing that Jesus says to the church in Laodicea if you go to Revelation. Revelation 3, 15 to 16. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Wow. You are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I think one of the enemies to us becoming or being salt and being light is that we can become so inwardly focused. And my concern as your pastor through COVID is that some of the realities of staying in our homes, of a constant message of safety, is creating us and forming us into people that look at ourselves that become inwardly focused and forget that we are salt and we are to be light in the world that we live in. The risk is that convenience will rob mission. We could become fearful of man's opinion rather than God's truth. But think about this. Who's to say that God's truth isn't what somebody needs to hear in a specific situation? Let's let God be God. He can defend himself. I've started a book recently on the history of revivals or renewals. And one of the things that the author, Richard Lovelace, recognizes about every single renewal that takes place is a few things. And I want to read this section of his book to us. Because I believe this is what God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, wants for us. He writes, experiences of renewal, which are genuinely from the Holy Spirit, are God-centered in character, based on worship, an appreciation of God's worth and grandeur, divorced from self-interest. Such experiences create humility in the convert rather than pride an issue in the creation of a new spirit. Now listen to these things. If you've been familiar with the Beatitudes, 
convert, rather than pride, an issue in the creation of a new spirit of meekness, gentleness, forgiveness, and mercy. They leave the believer hungering and thirsting after righteousness instead of saturated with self-congratulation. Most important, their end result is the performance of works of mercy and justice. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit of God wants to get a hold of our hearts. He wants to transform us. And the convicting work of His Spirit that He is doing, I believe, in us is to help us turn increasingly away from ourselves and to look more to Him. To worship Him. To honor Him. To not look at the good of self, but look at the good of other people. To be salt and to be light. What we're going to do now is we're going to take communion with one another. And as you were walking in, you were given this two-in-one pack. It's been a while since we've been able to celebrate this, this sacrament together like this. We've been doing it online, but not like together like this. So what you can do first is pull back that first layer to reveal a little wafer. And this wafer is simply a representation of the body of Christ that was broken for you and for me. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, commissioned his followers and said, in the future, take this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of my broken body, broken for you. Jesus enables us in his perfect life and his death, death for us, for you and I to become salt and light. We will fail, but he is faithful. And so maybe in this moment, you have an opportunity for confession to say, Jesus, I've dropped the ball as it relates to salt and light. But thank you for making a way and allowing me to step forward as salt and light in the world. So let's take this wafer remembering Jesus' broken body for us. Following the breaking of bread, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is a symbol of my blood shed for you. Well, we recognize because Jesus' blood was shed for us, our blood does not need to be shed for our sin because he did that for us. And so let's take it remembering Jesus' shed blood. Lord Jesus, it is good to remember what you have done. something that happened once for all. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would truly be salt. We would recognize ourselves as that preserving presence. We would recognize ourselves as that valuable, 
commodity to the world, Jesus. God, maybe we don't believe that our world is in decay. Maybe we don't believe our world is that bad. God, would your spirit do a work in our hearts that we recognize the self-centeredness of our world, its immorality, its amorality, and would we recognize our need for you, Jesus? I thank you for the Beatitudes which you graciously gave us to help us understand kingdom discipleship. And I pray that we would be disciples who pursue radical obedience to you. God, that we wouldn't be lukewarm in our faith. God, might those that are around us truly be able to say that there is something different about us. And we have a reason for the hope that is within us. And may people ask what that hope is. And in other situations, might we shine the light of your love and light to the world. May we be obvious. Jesus, we thank you. We want more of you. In your name we pray. Amen. you have a smartphone, go ahead and take it out. We're going to sing I Surrender All. And you may want to pull up the lyrics. I'll give you a moment to do that. We're specifically doing the worship initiative version of I Surrender All.
back to you. Every breath, every step, I surrender all. Sing all I am. housekeeping things. We are not the owners of this house. We are simply uh, tenants, users of somebody else's house. And so part of the reason that we're also bringing forward the the ways in which we are trying to um, live in this building is also because we are just guests. And so our gracious guests, Crestwood Baptist Church, have allowed us to use their space, but they also have requests of us that we are trying to live by. And so one of those things is that, um, again, that mingling, hanging out, talking with one another doesn't happen in here, but happens outside of the building. And so we're going to leave like you would um, at a wedding, except backwards at a wedding, if you forget. Uh, At the front, people leave first. We're going to do it at the back first. And so you can leave in that way. Um, Once you're outside, then you can uh, hang out, catch up if you would like to do so. And then also, um, we... We, we kind of sold out, but we weren't, you weren't paying anything to get in. So all the spots were filled for this Sunday, which is great. The next one will be in two weeks. But what that means is that if you want to make sure that you have a space, we do have an overflow option. But what we'd like to, you to do then is to register as soon as possible. And so that will start on Tuesday, and then it will continue until the following Thursday. 
uh, when you can register or until it's full. So that could be Friday. So just make sure that you register. We also have need, as you can imagine, there's a lot of now cleaning that goes into some of the things of this space. And so if you would volunteer with us, we have needs in front lines, facilities, in tech, tech especially. Um, so if you would please email us, we won't have that conversation now, email us, info at churchofthecity.ca, that would be great. The other thing, and this is last, okay? Just because you feel comfortable walking up to somebody and talking to them, doesn't mean they're comfortable with it. So don't assume that another person is comfortable with that, okay? So again, be a good neighbor, be a good uh, brother or sister, and maintain that space unless they make the advance on you, then I think you get it. But again, feel free to chat outside. But uh, once again, all of us probably have different levels of comfort. Please honor that uh, in what you do and in the conversations you have. Thanks, everyone. You are loved.